0: It is Tuesday night. It's in January. And uh, you are here for the How to Make a Million Dollar Seminar. (laughs) Wrong seminar. You're here on Family Devotions, How to Create a a Spiritual Climate in Your Home. And um, it reminds me of a story, especially because of the weather in the Midwest right now. Uh, I spent 14 years in Minnesota. One of the things that you kind of go through kind of this withdrawal pains thing is when the golf season ends. It starts usually in late late April or when the first snow is completely off a golf course anywhere, and you'll drive miles to get to that course. And then it ends usually somewhere in October or November, depending on when the first snow comes. And the deal is, when it starts snowing, there are a few of us that actually continue to play golf, and we do so... Uh, but it's, it's not very conducive. You know, you got to have gloves on and, and it's cold and um, the, the courses are being shut down and, and it really becomes unbearable. Uh, you just can't play much longer and then they don't want you on the course because it ruins the, the course. And so what happens is you got to wait until spring, right, and you start up again. I think that's a perfect analogy on what happens in our homes spiritually. And in fact, I think the spiritual climate in our homes is just like winter is to golf. For some of us, you can do it, but it's hard, and you really have to work at it. And maybe that's why you're here tonight is because you've tried this family devotion thing, and you're like, this is hard work. Kids don't want to do it. They're going nine different directions. In fact, I don't want to do it after I'm done having family devotions. And in fact, if you do do it and it's really hard, you're tired of, does it have to be so much work? And so what we want to do tonight is not just give up on doing family devotions. And I'll ask you a question right now. How many of you have ever tried to do some kind of family devotions, either with or with your spouse or just with your kids or any combination, and it didn't go quite as planned? Anybody ever have that experience? Okay. Nearly all of you have raised your head. Now, how about this? I won't make you raise your head on this one. Or you have never attempted it because it's like playing golf in the middle of winter. It's like, I'm not even going to try doing that. You don't have to respond to that. Um, but I think for some of us, we kind of have this constant winter, so to speak, uh, spiritually in our homes, not because we're bad people, uh, but it's just that our kids kind of give us the cold response. And... The older your kids are when you tried to do this, the colder they got, especially if you never did this and all of a sudden they're teenagers and you go like, oh, what is this? Now, I'm looking around here, and I don't think any of you in this room have any teenagers except for Mr. Berry, and his teenagers are now like grown adults, right? So, so he's kind of out of that stage. But does, who, who's got the oldest kid in the room right now? How old is Allie? Ten? Six? Six? Nine, seven, seven ten. ten. So here are our veteran parents right there in the front row. Well, yeah, other than dad, the oldest kid in the room. And so, um, so you're hoping we're waiting for a little warmer response. And so sometimes we just give up. Let me give you a few statistics from George Barna as we get started, then we'll look at some of these obstacles in just a moment. Twenty-nine percent of families have been on a service project. That's higher than I thought. That's pretty good. of kids and families talked to mom and dad about their faith on a regular basis. Now, there's another organization called the Search Institute and says that only 12% of kids ever talked to their parents about spiritual matters on a regular basis. Um, And only 13% ever talked to their dads. That kind of parallels the statistics I was sharing uh, on Sunday. And so... But the the one that's kind of devastating is only about 27% of families have ever had prayer, Bible reading, or devotions as a part of their experience. And the Search Institute said that number is like three times higher than it is. It's really about 9%. So somewhere between one out of 10 families to one out of maybe four families have ever even attempted it, and most quit. And so whether it's golf in the winter or that New Year's resolution to have a diet, there's something that's going on in families that keep us from some meaningful spiritual discussions. And so my question is, what's happened? Um, Is it really that bad? Is it that we just don't know what to do? We tried it. Our kids didn't like it or our kids are too young. We're wondering, what age should we start it? And we wake up one day and like, oh, they're... 37. We should have done this a long time ago, right? So I would guess that you even being here tonight, it's something you're saying, hey, this is something that I really want to do or try in 2014. It might have made your goal list this year. Or you want some resources or tools um, to do that. So Help me out. Tell me why are you here and what are you hoping to gain as you pick up that outline that's sitting on that chair. How's that for smooth? And because you are the eighth person to walk in this room, you win. We gave away seven cards. Now we're giving away books. But now here's the books. There you go. Nice. Oh, I did knock his coffee up, but that was pretty good one-handed. Um, why are you here? Why? I mean, I'm sure you've heard this. Why are you here tonight? And let's try to make sure we are scratching where you're itching. What, what is it that you're here for tonight? Coffee and cookies, Coffee and cookies. good. <laughs> My kids are to want to I don't want to drive home. It's someplace to hang out warm. What else? So looking for further insight, looking for new tools. You've done some stuff in the past. I'm repeating all this so it gets it on the mic. Yes? Inspiration and so inspiration and motivation, sitting next to a coach. So we want to motivate ourselves to do this thing, okay? So it, it's obvious that there are some obstacles. And so on your notes here tonight, let's, what keeps us from doing family devotions, quiet time, etc.? Now, let me just suggest to you that if it's been difficult for you to do personally in the course of your lifetime, it may be triply difficult to ever try to pull that off in a family or group situation. So I'm actually going to talk about some family dynamics, but then I'm going to give you some tools so you can get into the Word on your own that might help motivate you to help your kids uh, get into the Word uh, with you, all right? So uh, what are some of those obstacles? And by the way, these same obstacles would apply to like Bill and I who are now, we're empty nesters, right? Our kids are out. But the same thing applies now. What am I doing in terms of uh, developing the spiritual climate in my home now that my kids are out, you know, in terms of with my wife? So uh, what are some of those obstacles? And I'll give you my top five, but what do you think some of those obstacles have been for you? All those things that kind of compete, right? Family and friends and football and all that. So let's start with that one. Time. So our first, uh, our first maybe excuse or obstacle is that we just don't have the time. Now uh, I want to ask you this: Is it an issue of time, really, or not? Is that just is that kind of a, a straw man? Do you think? Totally a straw man, right? Because we make time for those things that are truly important. Now, again, extending the message from Sunday, we're extending grace, not guilt today, but I get it, right? There's just a lot of stuff competing for our attention. And for some of you, you want to prepare and not wing it, right? I want to have something prepared so I don't look like, like an idiot in front of my six-year-old. And especially if that six-year-old's been in a wana and like, well, Dad, don't you know that verse, Right? Uh, not that they'd ever play that on us, but, um, but I think time probably is an excuse, and the bottom line is we have 168 hours in our life to do that, and so we've got to figure out where we squeeze that in. We have our ninth participant. We gave away eight cars, and now we're down to giving just books out. So if you'd take an outline, and we have a special gift for you tonight for visiting, we're so glad you're with us. For those of you who are watching this on the video and can't see who this is, I'm impressed. Our senior pastor's in the house tonight. Woo! Hey, no, no. You're you're right on ten. Time. So, times one of those illustrations. So, let me give you I didn't bring I didn't bring all my props tonight, but let me give you an illustration that is a great one to do at home. Illustrating that we all have time. Take a jar and you need two other things. You need rice and you need rocks, right? And here's what you want to do is you want to pour the rice into the jar and then try to put the rocks in afterwards. And you, it won't fit. It will not fit. Now, you do this ahead of time and you, just so the kids don't know you've done this. You put the rocks in the jar first and then you pour the rice around it. Then you pour it all out and redo it so you know that it works. And you let them make the mistake of putting the rice in first. And, of course, you, they fill it up, and then the rocks, and then it just, it, there's not, like, there's no there's no way, Dad, this does not work. And the idea is the rocks represent those things in our life that are truly important that we got to get done first. And then the rice represents all those other things that take time, that keep you from doing the things that are important in your life. So that's a great little illustration. By the way, I would Uh, Use any illustration at home if you want your kids in the Bible or in God's Word that illustrates that for them, not just tell them the story. Let them act out the story. Have object lessons. And and I'll, I'll give you a few, and I'm sure you've had a few that work. By the way, when you have a good one that works, that becomes your go to devotional. And man, they forget. You just use it over and over again. And in fact, we had one that I'll tell you about later that my son, probably every tenth time, dad, hey, can we do that light one again, dad? I was illustrating, uh, thy word is a lamp, a light into my feet, a, a lamp unto my feet, a light into my path. And um, we did this thing where we hid the Bible in the basement with all the lights out. And he had to find, he had to find the Bible. He didn't know where it was. And he was searching for it and it was in like the darkest closet in the basement which is kind of scary and didn't help that we had his sister hiding in a corner to scare him and we did some other things. Now, this works much better with many kids because then there's many adventures along the path. And he tried to find it, couldn't find it with, without turning the lights on. He said, you can't turn the lights on. But then I gave him a flashlight and then he could see that we had some clues on the wall to guide him where the bible was by the way attached the bible was also some cookies which is he was sick so that was his favorite thing and we illustrated that's isn't that what god's word it guides you it's like a light you don't know where you're going you can't find it so i don't know if he really got the idea of thy words a lamp into my feet and a light into my path or it was more like there was cookies at the end of that tunnel not exactly sure but it worked for me all right so we don't have time, all right? What's another, what's another obstacle for us with this? What are some other obstacles besides time? Maybe just your own obstacles. What are some things that have, like, ugh? Okay. Let's hang on to that thought. That's definitely one, that kind of short attention span. And this is a great example. You have kids ranging from, you got five, right? Nine to four months, right? And we'll talk about what you do with older kids um, and how you involve them with the younger kids in just a little bit, all right? What's another obstacle? By the way, it's always fun if you pick those obstacles in the order of this PowerPoint, but apparently I had to save that one for later, but um, other obstacles. Awesome. Point number two, I don't know what to do and I don't know where to start. All right? Like, what do we do? How do we do it? Now, um, here's the deal. I could have brought a stack of books that you go like, uh But here's what you do. You go Google family devotions, and you'll see 10,000 options for you. Let me give you two websites to go to, the, uh, two of them. The, the first one is heritagebuilders.com, heritagebuilders.com. And um, actually... If you're more like, I just want the physical book, then just order this one. It's called 52 Creative Family Time Experiences, Fun Ways to Bring Faith Home by Tim Smith. Oh, surprise, Tim is preaching here on Sunday. I'm pretty sure this will be on sale at the book table on Sunday. Note to self, don't order online, wait till Sunday, all right? And then he's going to be sharing again Tuesday night, so you'll want to be back on the danger of raising nice kids. But this is a great, I mean, this is like plug and play. Even I can do this, all right? Experience number four is being sold out. And, you know, he lays it out. Here's the warm-up. Here's what you read. Here's what you ask. Here are the tools or props that you need. And he has it for younger children and then if you have teenagers. So it's, it, can, it takes you through everything. It's great. Um, if you want something, now none of you want to go through this book, puppy, but this is probably the, for those of you who are going to now start having junior hires, these 10-year-olds will be in middle school in no time. Spiritual Mentoring of Teens, this is one of the favorite books I used when I was working with junior high and high school kids with parents because it's just an unbelievable resource on how to do spiritual mentoring. So there are literally hundreds of devotional ideas and really, um, here's another one. Um, just Google family time training. Family time training is another place to start. And um, you can go on. They have these little one-page wonders where you can just download a one-page deal, and it kind of it's free. You don't even have to buy the book. And it gives you some devotional ideas. So what's the most important thing in starting? So start. Is starting. <laughs> All right? Now, here's what I see some families do. we got to have family devotions every night. That is a recipe for failure. Let's set the bar a little lower than that. Let's go, what, 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 other than every night, what, what could be another alternative? Once a week? I think that's a good one, all right? Some of you go, how about once a month? Okay, we'll make a longer day of it, you know? Um, but I think once a week is really good. Mormons kind of got to, handle on that years ago, Monday night home family deal, right? So pick a night. Now, the older your kids get, the harder it will be to establish this family night tradition. So you got to package it in a way that they're going, this is cool, all right? This is fun. Uh, as the kids get older and their boys, food is always a great motivator for family time night because it's a special night because dad makes pizza or brings home pizza. Mom doesn't have to cook, you know, and we do we package it with some other things. So Um, So I would say by starting once a week, grab a resource, all right? The worst thing is, children, today we're going to read through the book of Leviticus. Freddie, would you start with chapter one? You know, not exactly what kids are digging. Boy, yeah, animal sacrifice, just what I was hoping for. Um, So... The great thing is your older kids can help the younger kids. And the larger families really have seen how that works because when you have a 9-year-old or a 10-year-old, you're already naturally helping with the younger kids. Um, I saw that with one of our families. Some of you know the Pachefici family. They went with me to Mexico last week. Watching the older kids working with the younger kids on our team even was phenomenal. And how an older sibling... Can impart spiritual truth to your kids better than the parents can sometimes because, like, that's just my brother and he's cool. And dad's like, whoa, dad's intense. Um, now, if anything you know about Mario, the guy is unbelievable. You think he's good here? You should see him in another language where he just makes up words and, and starts talking Spanish and I has no idea what he's talking about, but it was awesome. So, um, here's another thing to, to help you just get started. You don't have to have a huge Bible study. Uh, one of the things that you can do is just start with what we call question of the night. So what Cheryl and I used to do, um, this is really dating us. Back in the 70s, there was a game called the un-game. It was the series of questions you'd ask, and you just answer the question. So she came up with the idea of mom's canned questions, and we had this big, huge pickle jar, and she started writing questions on a little cardstock thing, folded over and stuck in a jar and our devotions often started with a kids and we only had two kids so uh, our, by the way with only two kids they fight about everything who sits in the front seat, who sits in the back seat you know what day it is except for chores they don't ever fight about chores uh, other than who has to do them so by the way when you have two kids odd and even, it works great for any answer, what day is it? odd, even, you're odd, you're even That you do it, you get to take out trash, you get to sit with dad you get to read the verse, you, you know, whatever So, we'd pull the questions out, and that was around the dinner table. You know, what makes a best friend? What makes a best friend? Now, I'm pretty good at winging it, and I didn't really, like, have to research, like, what's a best friend? And then I have a Bible verse that ties to that. If you're not good at winging it, make sure you kind of have a verse that ties to the question of the night, and then you just, oh, you know, God's Word says what a friend is like. Or as they got older, what is true love? Where do you, what's, the, what's the go-to chapter on love? Any idea? 1 Corinthians 13. See? You got it. So, then you take them to 1 Corinthians 13. Um, if, if there's been a particularly difficult day in your child's life, and they've been, um, let's say someone uh, ratted them out at school, or someone was disloyal, or someone was gossiping about them, let the environment of the day give you the topic of the night, right? That's a little phrase. Write that down. Let the environment of the day, whatever happened, the circumstances of the day, dictate the content or the topic of the night. Now, I say night because pretty sure that none of you do family devotions at 7 a.m. Does anybody do them at 7? You are just twisted, aren't you? No, that's awesome. We should get two books then, you know. Um, So, for your family, that works. Okay, so Susie Brown has a booklet. To talk, talk about that. She made them all, she made all the kids, uh, to little empty thing, and it kind of goes off of, uh, it's kind of like Wayne Cadera's life journal. Okay, so you have a kid's journal version. Yeah, yeah, and then she just put a copy in the front of questions. Mm-hmm, and you guys do that in the morning? Perfect. So, if you find morning works for you, I already told you, as your kids get older, the later in the night, it works better, you know. So, you'll find that time that works for your family. Um, then, the easiest family devotion to do that's not really considered family devotions is putting them to bed and as you pray with each of your kids, right? So, that does cause you to have to, you know, kind of time that out, right, depending on how many kids you have and who has to be in bed first, etc., and etc who hogs your time, and how you swap, all right? Um, What's another obstacle? We've identified time, and we don't know what to do and how to get started. What's another one? Any you can think of? Let me give you one that we have at our church and in this environment. Number three, they get the Bible at their Christian school or in their youth group or at Awana. Question, is a WANA youth group or Christian school Bible class a substitute for what we should be doing in the home? We know the obvious answer. It's no, and that's our perspective, but sometimes our kids' perspective is, I get enough Bible. I'm doing this thing. I'm already memorizing a bazillion verses, you know, at Oaks Christian or wherever they go. Um, So I still believe, and I believe, as you know, Deuteronomy 6, we're the primary faith developers of our kids So, I would love for us to see this. What we do at the church is a meal supplement, not a meal substitute. All right? That is so important. The church's role in spiritual development is like a meal supplement, not a meal substitute. We don't say, oh, Alana's doing the job for us. So, like, we can cruise. Um,. Any of you have your kids in Christian school right now? Anybody in a Christian school? Okay. So do they have Bible? Yeah, we do. Okay, so you have Bible. Uh, do they have tests in Bible? Do they have quizzes in Bible? Do they have to. Not, uh, so it's. it's they, they just. They're not. They don't get a grade for it then. Yeah. Okay. The Christian school I grew up in, there was a grade. You had a grade in Bible, you had, and it was based on word perfect scripture memory. You had to be able to, and this is not in college. This is when I was in first, second, third, fourth grade at West Community Christian School. So, um, by the way, there is an outline there. Did everybody get outlines? Okay. Um, And so, studying for a test is very different than devotion for your soul, right? And so, we cannot let the Bible school, and even the books. I mean, I love Awana, but just memorizing the Scriptures for the book isn't a substitute for God and that heartfelt connection you have with your kids and discussing. So what does that mean, and how is that going to make a difference in your life? Okay. Um, number four. Yes. Okay. The uh, I'm going to look at that actually in... Why is a regular family time in the Word so important in just a moment? And I'm going to try to give you five reasons why I think it's so important, what the ultimate goal is. Um, thank you. Uh, number four, fourth obstacle is what if I don't have all the answers? I'm really not much of a Bible scholar. And some parents are intimidated by that. Some of you are new believers, and you're like, hey, I don't know all this stuff. What am I going to do? Um, I don't think you have to worry about that. Don't worry about getting stumped. In fact, there's nothing better than your kids saying, hey, Dad, I know this, and let me... I got this, Dad, or I got this, Mom. Um, Now, if you get stumped in some question in your quiet time, that's why you have Pastor Scott. You call him and say, what is the answer to that? And why were there five different burnt offerings and Levitical offerings and... No, I'm just kidding. But seriously... I love it when I get an email from someone. um, Hey, I got a question about this. And um, I love discussing that. And I know Pastor Scott does too. So if you get stumped um, or you got a question you really don't know the answer to, um, call us. And that's why we have cell phones. Um, I want to tell you a true life story of someone who's just come to faith in Christ. And I got a text via Facebook or a message today. Some of you know my son was dating a Jewish girl. He's come to faith in Christ about five years ago. He grew up in a Christian home. Had a, whether he came to faith in Christ as a six-year-old or a 22-year-old, we'll leave that up to God to decide, but he's had a genuine conversion, I know, five years ago. And he was dating this Jewish girl. We had the whole talk of don't give away your heart, don't break her heart, she's not a believer, would you really marry someone who doesn't know the Lord? But she, likes, she doesn't know about Jesus, but she's into God. You know, all of you have probably... Rustled with that. You've known someone like that, so we brought her to Christmas Cafe here, and he brought her to New Year's Eve service, and she trusted Christ at the New Year's Eve service. Wrote a seven-page paper, and was met with one of my former staff people at my former church, and she messaged me to saying, "Hey, I believe that I am a Christian." And I'm wondering if I need to do anything more than the seven-page paper. The, gate, the lady said, this is my testament. I think she meant my testimony. So I'm in the middle of instant messaging her this tonight and talking. I, I'd like to read that paper. And um, so think about what that's like when someone who's with fresh eyes is seeing Scripture the first time. We, she doesn't have the benefit of 25 years of her family. Her family's completely secular. She doesn't have 25 years of Bible under her belt. She doesn't know anything about the Bible, really. But she's excited. You have the ability to lay down a spiritual heritage in your family right now. So they don't wait 25 years to say, oh, this is the Jesus, the Messiah that I didn't know. So, you don't have to have all the answers. Um, and I, most of your kids' questions are simple questions. Is dad, explain the Trinity to me. Okay, maybe that's not so simple. you know. Or dad, why is there suffering in the world? And as your kids get older, the questions get a little harder. But most of them are sweet and they're innocent. And I'm pretty sure you can handle 95% of the questions they might ask. Number five, the fifth uh, obstacle is my kids think this is boring, all right? Now, they think it's boring because it is, okay? No offense. Maybe it is just a little boring, right? Now, some of you approach life very methodically, right? And so you may need to kind of spice it up a little bit, you know, to help your kids, like, get into this a little bit more. You know, get a little creative. Let them act it out. There is nothing better than we were doing Balaam's donkey. And guess who got to be the donkey? Yours truly. And I'm on my hands and knees, and John Daniel is riding the donkey, you know. And um, now you say, but John, you are twisted. You're just, that fits you. We, We watch you. You just got this weird personality and humor, and so it would probably be fun to have devotions with you. Well you know, you got to go with what works for you. For me, I'm spontaneous. I'm in the moment. I don't really want to plan, though I do like to-do lists. I don't want to have to have everything scripted. And some of the best discussions I had with my kids growing up were the ones I didn't plan. It was because something happened that day, and that became the teachable moment. So, if you want a curriculum, do the curriculum thing. If you want to read, you know, a verse from, you know, Proverbs is a great way to do um, family devotions. There's 31 days in Proverbs. You'll never have to worry about preparing. What is the day today? It's January 7th, so you read something out of chapter 7 today, right? Um, I don't recommend the one-year Bible for family devotions because of about March you'll be in Leviticus again, and we know how Leviticus works. That's not a really good deal. So... Um, so here's how you make it not boring. Number one, you keep it short. When your kids are young, if you get a good solid like six minutes, you're golden. You go for thirty, you're just suckers. Like, what are you thinking? You know, um, as they get older, you use the older kids so they're involved and they have to bring. They got to bring it. You know, that's their their turn. Um, I think that um, one of the ways is we just assume that they're not going to want to do this because we're not excited about it. We're feeling guilt-dripped by it. We're comparing ourselves with somebody else who's so creative, and you go, I don't have a creative bone in my body. So I want to illustrate this whole idea that we maybe jump to assumptions about things in life. Now, in a moment, we're going to put a slide up here. It's going to have a series of numbers And all I need you to do is out loud, in unison, as a group, say the first number. In your mind, quickly, mentally add the second number. Say that out loud together and go through the whole list. And I want to see if we come up with the right answer and what the sum of these, like, seven or eight numbers are. Simple enough? On your mark. Get set. I'm going to sit in the front row and join you. 1,000. 1,040. 2,070. 3,090. 4,000. All right. Stop. Don't say another word. There's murmuring. We'll do it one more time. One more time. By the way, hang on. Stop that. Go back. Go back. Just a second. If you think there was a different answer, don't want to say it. I just want you to stand up. But don't say anything. Just stand there, mute, and don't participate. So now... I want to illustrate something here. About this point right now, there's a bit of peer pressure. This is the same thing that happens to your kids in school every time when a teacher does this. Those of you who have the right answer, please stand up. So the rest of you sit down. I was just messing with you. All right. Um, But let's go through it again. If you think there's a different answer, don't say it. All right? Let's try it again. One more time. 1,000. Say it aloud. 4,100. All right, let's try it one more time. Let's see if we come up with a different answer. Third time. Say it out loud with conviction. Let's see. Shazam. 4,100. So the bottom line is the first time if we're not thinking, we're just going to rattle off 5,000. Oftentimes, We just make assumptions about what we think the answer will be, and I think we make assumptions about what our kids may or may not want. Now, Bill asked probably the most salient question, and that is, what is the goal of family devotions? Why would we want our kids to be in God's Word and prayer together? I want to give us a real live demonstration of why I think this is important. If you have your Bibles, if not, pull one out in front of you. Turn to Psalm 119, all right? And we're going to take a break here. Not a break. You're actually going to go to work with whoever's in your row. So, I'd you know, groups of two or three, like the four of you can do work together, three of you can work together, three of you can… But in groups of three, I'm going to give you arguably the longest chapter in the book on the Bible, right? Psalm 119. And it goes on for a few pages, right? But it's going to answer the question, why and what is the value of God's Word in your life? Because ultimately, the ultimate goal of family devotions isn't to knowledge acquisition. It's about application. And I ultimately, the value of family devotions and creating a spiritual climate in your home is that the Word of God goes from a textbook that has been studied to an application process that changes their lives? I believe God's Word changed your life. And Psalms 119 gives you, I'm only going to give you like five of the benefits. And you can see I already picked some of them out on your notes. But I'd like you, without looking at these notes, tell me what are the benefits of knowing and being involved in God's Word. And I'd like you as a group to kind of come up with those. Now, if you get stalled, I kind of gave you a cheat sheet here with verse 11 and 38 and whatnot, but there's a bunch more in there. All right, so we're going to turn off the tape, turn around, take a few minutes to talk to one another. I'm not giving you a long time, like probably less than three minutes. I need at least three benefits of being in God's Word on your market set. Go. Let's see what you found out. Now, I gave you five benefits or goals of being in God's Word, but there's a dozen. So before we use verse 11, 38, 49, 98, or 105, I'd like to hear any of your benefits or goals of being in God's Word that don't come from those five verses, all right? Anybody that came up with something other than those five? What'd you find out? Anybody? All right. Verse 66, teach me good judgment and knowledge. So there's something about knowledge and and having good uh, judgment that comes from God's Word. What else? Any other that came out? I heard a lot of action in the back row there. Okay. So it educates the conscience so the Holy Spirit has something to work on. Okay. Anybody else? Have an answer? Something that you came up with? This is kind of in 76 and 82. 76 and 82. Okay. Um, so there's all kinds of um, positive things that, from the text. Um, I'll pick one that I didn't use here, but look at verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to the word. So, if we're dealing with a massive epidemic of moral impurity because of pornography and all the onslaught of the media with our kids, what's one of the ways to help combat that? It's the Word of God, all right? Um, You don't want to sin? Look at the first one, verse 11, all right? So, let's look at our five up here, and then we'll we'll keep on going. So, one of the benefits of a family quiet time, and when I'm saying quiet time, I see I'll give you the components of that, but there's a time in the Word, there's prayer time, those are two, but specifically the Word is it keeps us from offending God, that I might not sin against thee. Uh, look at that in verse 11. Um, and by the way, the concept of sin isn't a popular one in our culture, and you know, your kids have to understand sin has an offensive part to it, there's, and, there's, and there's this idea that that there's some things that, you know, there's no offense. You know, there's sins of commission that your kids definitely know about, lying, etc. But those sins of omission, those things that, well, I just didn't speak up, or I didn't stand for truth, or I allowed someone to be made fun of, etc., etc. Thomas Fuller said it this way, He that falls into sin is, is a man, that grieves at it is a saint, that boasts of it is a devil. And so... Romans, the, what are the two go-to verses on sin? If you want to just have your kids memorize two verses about our need for a Savior. Come from the book of Romans. They are Romans what? 323 and Romans 6.23. Romans 3.23, anybody want to recite it? You Your kids have memorized it and want to? Romans 3.23 is, for all have sinned, right? Fall short the and Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, okay, you got it. So, most of you have memorized that. Um, So, what's the next one? Verse 38. It gives us a proper perspective of who God is. Establish the word of thy servant as it produces reverence for thee. Um, I think that's one of the most important things of a quiet time is it helps us understand for our kids that there's a reverence for God, for God Almighty. Um. Voltaire said this, I cannot imagine how the clockwork of the universe can exist without a clockmaker. Um, and ultimately, the proper view of who God is uh, sets the, the direction of their entire life, right? And our, I think for every family, your, your fear at some level is, all this stuff that you're doing, will it pay off? Will there be a payoff? Will my kid remember this thing When it's all said and done, will he ever go off the deep end? You all have little cherub, you know, kids right now, and they're angelic, and they're perfect, and they'd never sin, do they? (laughs) Of course they don't, right? Um, But in your heart of hearts, I know what goes through your minds. You go, I didn't do all this Alana for nothing. God, there better be a payoff, you know? And you do this little bargaining thing with God. Please, God, don't let them go off the deep end when they're junior hires or senior hires, and only time will tell. And I'll tell you this much. Don't be so quick to put the scorecard in. God isn't finished with any of your kids, and that parenting thing doesn't end when they leave your home. And so um, if you're discouraged by the lack of spiritual, you know, intensity, in your home right now, there's a chance that, you know what? Sometimes you just go through those stages in life. Um, I know that your different kids—we mentioned this on Sunday—motivate you or demotivate you. If you have one that just has no attention span, is ADD, and is just all over the map, and you have multiple kids, and he just kind of ruins it for the rest of the family, that's that's a downer. I get it. You know, duct tape is awesome. <laughs> no. But you, just, you do have to work a little harder for that one. Sometimes you have to do some one-on-one stuff um, with them. Um, by the way, my daughter married into a family of eight. She married the second born of eight kids. And um, it's been a very interesting experience of how they celebrate Christmas versus how we celebrate Christmas. And it, it's affected the way they view how things should be done in relationship to kids. So it also has affected their view of how many kids they will have. This is going to be a very interesting discussion. I have my bets on how many that they'll have. But the one thing that happened, because Ryan was the second oldest and he was the oldest boy, unbelievable amount of responsibility placed on his shoulders um, in relationship to the other kids and being that role model and, and helping dad out and being in charge. He had an older sister who chafed under that, and she took a different path. He didn't, and he stayed the path. And it's been a very interesting study because w- there's a lot of research on firstborns and middleborns and lastborns. And I think you just got to know the personality of your child. You know that Proverbs passage: "Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he won't depart from it." We've claimed that as if I train them up spiritually, they, they'll, they'll at least come back to the Lord. Actually, in the Hebrew, it's train them up according to their bent. And I think the idea is more each kid has a different learning style. Different kids respond to different motivations. And you've got to, your job as a parent to unlock that to see what how that can um, kind of affect your, your parenting with that kid. Okay, number, uh, number three, uh, verses 49 and 50. Um, it gives us life-changing hope. And you can see that from... Verse forty nine. I just put a summary of that in which thou hast made my hope comfort me in my affliction. Um, let me give you just some verses for when your kids are when you're wrestling with hope or hopelessness. Let me just read these quickly. And I won't read the verse. I'll just give you the reference. You can do a little study on hope. Psalm seventy one five, Psalm one thirty one verse three, Jeremiah fourteen twenty two, and Lamentations three twenty one. Five great verses. Do a little study on hope if you're feeling a little hopeless. Um, By the way, the word hope in 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 the Hebrew has this idea of this eagerly awaiting, and it's used 140 times uh, in the Bible. And so, hope's a big thing, especially as your kids get older when they've been rejected. Right? Uh, How many of you have girls? Here's here's um, you're going to store this one away for. How old is your daughter? Nine, eight, and three. got three of them? Saved now. you got three weddings. Oh, my goodness. Nine, eight, and three. So whatever age they're going to be able to, quote, date. So you're seven years from it. We'll say they're 16. I told my kids 32. But um, seven years from now, somewhere in the next 10 years for your daughters, they're going to get dumped. They're going to have a boy that will break their heart. The tears will be unconsolable. They'll be despondent, and nothing you can say to them encourages them, either mom or dad. Revenge Revenge works, and actually ice cream worked, but, you know, that's not (laughs) really And I think what happens is oftentimes the most teachable moment is the one where they're in the lowest valley, right? Now, for the most part, life for a six-year-old is pretty Pretty good. What, I mean, think about the life of a six-year-old. How many have six-year-olds again? Pretty good life, right? I mean, what are they, first grade? So they go to a little school. You know, even when they forget their lunch, it's a good deal because, man, everybody has to share, you know. At least at a Christian school, they have to share. Like, oh, let's share with Johnny. He didn't bring his lunch. My, my son learned that. I'm touching my lunch. I get cooler stuff if I forget it, you know. You cure that by they get, like, peanut butter with no jelly and water. Then they don't forget their lunch. Um, but for a six-year-old, life's pretty good, right? And so you're, not, you're, you're trying to help them as a six-year-old just realize that God is the center of the universe. And you're, you're reminded that God's in charge. They're watching how you respond when things don't go as planned for you. And so at each stage, there's different developmental tasks, and we won't get into those tonight. All right, number four, it makes me wiser, right? Number four, it makes us wise. Why do you want to have quiet time Be in the Word? It helps you be smarter. Not in getting get a 2400 on the SAT, but uh, it does make us wiser than who, according to verse 98? Than your enemies. That comes back to the revenge thing. Um, and so the, this idea of not being smarter, not necessarily intellectually, but maybe you don't make the same mistakes as lost people uh, that are far from God, who wish they could have that experience back. Um, There has never been a college girl who lost her virginity and got pregnant that wishes that she had that experience. There's every single girl who's ever come in for counseling who got pregnant wants a do-over. I've never said, yep, that was the way I planned it. Pretty much, I'm 15, want to have a baby. Um. And so, I think that what we find with our kids is there's this time as they're getting into junior high especially, is the relevance of what you're doing in your home really begins to speak to them, because they're going to be getting these forks in the road, and they got big, big choices to make. And lastly, it gives us direction life, verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So, obviously, God's word gives you direction. Let me just comment on God's will and God's wisdom real quickly. You need to help your kids understand that God's will in His Word is very specific, very concrete, and very direct. And it usually says, Thus saith the Lord, or this is God's will concerning you. And there's only about five or six passages in the Scripture, and all the Scripture says, You must do this. And that would be an interesting study, by the way, of those passages where God's very specifically saying, this is God's will. And all the time we say, I've got to pray for God's will. I, I would suggest there's another alternative. Do the six things that it says. And there's only one, thus saith the Lord, passage in all of the Scriptures for kids. Only one. What does it? Children. What? Honor. Honor thy father and mother. And there's an unbelievable promise that kids miss. So what will happen? That your days may be long on the land. So my mom was right. I brought you in this world. I can take you out of this world. It's amazing. She knew that, that your days may be long on the land. This idea of honoring marriage, that's the one command of kids in the scripture. There's one biblical command to children. Honor your father and mother. There's a few more for us as adults. So that's why the book of James says, if any of you lacks wisdom Let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without approach. Most of your parenting skills and expertise is going to be in the realm of not God's will for your kids, but helping them discern God's wisdom for their lives and how to make wise decisions when when it's not clear what the right decision is. The biggies they get, it's those gray areas that they're going to need some help in making those decisions, and I believe the foundation will be set as you do this in your home. Now, let's keep mushing through this because I want to get to some really practical stuff. The blessing, we've seen the benefits of having a quiet time. So the ultimate goal of a time in God's Word and praying and family devotions or quiet time, however you want to call that, have we, have we made the point, what is the ultimate goal? Because in the end, we can't miss this. And maybe I just need to put a bow on this. The reason you do this ultimately is so your kids become conformed to the image of Christ in, in the pure and simple, so your kids love Jesus and become like him. That's why Paul could say in 1 Corinthians, follow me as I follow Christ. So ultimately, you want Christ followers out of this experience. They see that Jesus Christ is the Lord of their life. Now, for some of you, you made that decision at a very young age, maybe in Awana. I made it when I was six years old. I was six years old, and it was clear. The Bible teacher at my Christian school did her version of sinners in the hands of an angry God. I pretty much did not want to go to hell, and she was an unbelievable evangelist. Twenty-four hands went up in that first-grade class. We all became Christians that day because we were pretty sure we didn't want to go there and we didn't know where she was going and we didn't want to you know. She was mean. She was tough, right? She was actually a very sweet lady. She just seemed so intense. But that decision as a six-year-old wasn't really confirmed in my heart until I was 13, 14 years old between the summer between eighth grade and ninth grade where I left the cocoon of that little Christian school and was headed off to a public high school. And that summer, where I went into high school, I had all kinds of doubts about whether God existed. And you say, seriously, dude, you were 14, your question is, yeah, I was one of those weird kids. I actually thought about whether there was a God, and I kind of read about that kind of stuff. And I was also into sports, so when I got too worried about God, I just played baseball, and I'll get over it, right? Like a lot of kids, they do a lot of activities, so they have to deal with the questions that plague them, and some of you have very thoughtful kids. Some of you have way brighter kids than I was growing up, and they're already asking questions, like big questions. And so, thank goodness, I had someone investing in me and helping me understand those big questions, because my parents didn't do it. I'm not. My parents are great folks, but this just wasn't their deal. They didn't. They barely went to church. Their idea of a great church has had a long three-hour Sunday school program, so they go out for breakfast on Sunday mornings and pick me up at noon. You know, it was like, drop him off, free babysitting, yay. And the only later in life, once I was a pastor, did my parents really kind of redirect our life towards spiritual things. I mean, years later. And so, you have a chance to make a difference with your kids in that. So, that being said, the blessing is this. Let's look at this slide together, and, and just if there's one other benefit, look at this together. Let's read it out loud. Joshua 1.8. Scott preached on this a couple weeks ago, right? This book of the law, let's say it together. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. That's the blessing of family devotions, of time in God's Word, of meditating. So here's the principle, and then I'll give you the prerequisites, and I'll give you the promise. It's all from this verse. First of all, the principle is this. Meditating on God's Word will allow you to experience God's blessing in your life. Now, meditating is a tough thing to do. What is meditating? And teaching kids how to meditate on God's Word is probably a bit of a stretch the younger they are, but the idea of helping them to think it through and internalize it, and what does that mean for me today? Whatever that verse is, now there's two conditions for that kind of blessing. One is meditation; the other is obedience. All right, meditation, lingering over the, thoughtfully considering it, thinking about it, just and so a one is great because it starts with memorizing. I don't know if we have a class in meditating, right? We kind of think of TM and like do 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 do. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about letting God's word. Wash over. you Now, if you don't do it, it's going to be a hard time to explain. Your kids, how do I meditate on Scripture? So one way I do is I have three-by-five cards with Scripture written on those cards. I told you on Sunday, I walk with my wife. That's the best time for me to pray with her as we're walking together. Sometimes we take those three-by-five cards. We're still memorizing the, or re-memorizing and revisiting those verses. We, we memorized whole chapters together when we were in high school. First Corinthians 13, James chapter 1. You know, James one, consider all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and that endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. I did not look at that scripture before I came here. I picked one from and I memorized that sixteen from fifty seven years ago. Forty years ago I memorized that passage so I could go out on a date with my wife. Now I'm telling you, that's staying power, friends. And it's not just in my mind, it helps influence my choices. So when I'm tempted to erupt and be upset because things didn't go as planned, like when I bought my new car and seven days later I get rear-ended on the five freeway after doing God's work in Mexico, this is not fair. No, it says what? Consider it joy when you encounter various trials. And the lady says, oh, I'll pay you for it. It's now been six weeks. She's going to stiff me, and I'm going to be... I paid that bill already to have the bumper fixed. Consider it all joy, though, when I encounter various trials. You see, God's Word informs my decision-making. By the way, why doesn't it work sometimes when I get upset with my wife? I forget all the, love is patient, love is kind, love. <sighs> got to revisit 1 Corinthians 13, don't I? All right? So meditation, obedience. We got to apply it, we got to live it, we got to do it. The promises, two promises you get out of Joshua 8. You'll be prosperous. Now, I'm not going to get into the name and claim it. I'm not saying you'll get money delivered in bagfuls at your door, but God's going to bless you. I think by any standard of definition, you are all prosperous in this room regardless of your financial accumulation, and you will have success. So I don't think these are generally, in fact, in the Hebrew, they're not generally associated with financial success, but the idea is when your life is focused properly, that God will prepare your path. All right? All right, so how do we get started? Let me suggest this. Three things commitment. I'd like you to start this week. All right? This week. So pick your day. I don't know when it's going to be. Today is Tuesday. Tuesday night's probably not a good night because you're here at WANA. But pick a night or a day this week before next Tuesday and try your hand at family devotions. Now, let's hear from the wisdom of others. Does anybody have a night they've kind of already picked and that's their night and they do it if you're a, kind of a weekly person? Or maybe you do multiple weeks. So. Just tell us one because we'll feel like really bad if you do like three nights a week. We, we will hate you. No, we won't. All right. So anybody that has a night that they kind of, they zero in already. Anybody got one? Maybe you want to vet one and look really great right now? Some in between. Tuesday, twos- Maybe Friday. Okay. So you got to find one. Okay. Now, again, remember, it doesn't have to be long, so when are you going to do it? Like, what time of the day? Dinner time? Breakfast time? They're at school during lunch? When are you going to do it? When do you think? When could you try? Anybody have a success at a time of the day? You do Saturday mornings. mornings. What time? Uh, Pre-car... Okay, now, do you see that little carrot there? We got a little family devotions, then you get a little plug-in drug. It's called cartoons, right? Okay, great. And how long does it go, Pastor Scott? 20 minutes and what are the ages of the kids what are the ages of your kids so eight six and five all right so you know uh all of you with six-year-olds you know you can do this you can do this all right so pick that date start somewhere make a commitment put on the calendar call it family time call it whatever you want but pick a night stick to it and then here's what's going to happen how many of your kids play sports anybody play sports they have different activities at night that require them to be in a soccer or baseball or whatever. So you may have to flex with your day as your kids get older and, they're, and uh, they're playing different sports or different things, all right? Secondly, concentration. You're gonna look for teachable moments. You gotta look for those, all right? Anybody have a teachable moment that you'd like to share that you used in, in sharing God's truth with your kids about something? Any, anything come up in the last month that you'd be willing to share? Because here's what you can do. Use someone else's teachable moment. Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to make sure my kid experiences this because that was a good verse, all right? Any teachable moments anybody want to, wants to share that you've had? Something's happened? Or share, hey, this happened. What would I, how could I turn that into a, a devotional thought? Anybody have something that's happened? It could be a negative, positive, anything. Yeah. Yeah, how old, tell them how old your kids are so they got the context. 26 and 25. So we're talking 10 plus years ago, maybe. Okay. So it was simple. You ask them how their day, at night, as they're going to bed, how you pray for them. Okay. Now, he had daughters. And we did go through this little weirdness still when my daughter went through a little modesty issue as she got into her teens. And so mom kind of took over some of that. Um, and so we were careful to, you know, before just barging in, like knocking on the door, which is probably a good thing that everybody should just practice. Where my son, he didn't care what state you found him, in his birthday suit or not, didn't matter. Bring it on, Dad. What do you want to talk about? Um, but one of the things that I'll tell you that was really interesting, my son was still very interested well into high school. He had no no big deal about dad laying down in bed and just us with our hands behind our heads looking at the ceiling talking. And every teenager on the face of the planet will deny that that will have ever happened. So just, that's cool. And of course, you don't, you know, oh, Johnny, you forgot your lunch as you run to him at school. I mean, there's ways to embarrass kids. Like, just don't do that. But when the privacy of your home, I think your kids are far more interested in your input especially if you create an environment because they, you've learned how to listen first and preach second. That's a huge one. I had to learn to listen first, preach second. And, um, and I think, again, you, you know, with my son, it was all about sports for him. So I was always trying to find somebody in a sports page that was a Christian. Or, hey, did you see that uh, Mariano Rivera? Man, that guy's a committed Christ follower. You're kidding. I hate him. He's like such a great closer, and we lose when he pitches. Oh, okay. Well, let's find a different one then. Um, I think that um, the whole idea of using bedtime, let me tell you probably the best book you've never heard of, and you must find it and you must get it. It's called A View from the Zoo. And Lord willing, if we have another month of family in 2015, we will bring Gary Richmond here and he will tell zoo stories. Yes, on a Sunday morning, tied to scripture, and your kids are going to sit here and go, ah, that's so cool. He's a former zookeeper from the LA Zoo, worked at Forest Home. He's written three books where he takes animal stories in real life and gives you a, a biblical application. We milked those three books for like two years. No prep, read the story. And you know, I'm good at, like, enacting the sounds and, of the animals and roar, you know, whatever. Um, and that was some of our best devotions were just reading a chapter from his book and discussing it. A view from the zoo, and then he has, like, more views from the zoo. And just Google Gary Richmond. He lives, like, in uh, Corona. And um, great book to teach biblical truths from. Um, I already told you about using the car to... To find those teachable moments while you're in the car, you're going to hear a lot of stuff. My wife more than I did, and then uh, I would think consistency is really important for this. That's why I'm saying pick the night, stick with it. Right? Um, If you commit to it, we know that if you do something for you know 21 days, it usually becomes a habit. Although that has not worked for me in flossing, I have done 21 days and then quit flossing. So I'm going to the dentist on Thursday, and I like flossing 21 times in three days, and not going to work. Um, so you've got to realize kind of what's at stake. So create that routine. Now, I've just the rest of this I've put in here uh, for you to kind of just some things to pray for your children. Uh, this is something um, that I got from John Maxwell. And just uh, 12 things to be praying over your kids. And, you know, this is great for those of you moms who go to Moms in Touch photocopy this and give it to other moms. There's some things that you want these truths to be true in your life. And then I want to just close by doing something really practical because I realize we're asking to do family devotions and it hit me somewhere about two o'clock today as I was completely done with this PowerPoint. And I realized, I wonder if anybody's ever quickly just told someone, this is how you have a quiet time. So, uh, you don't know this, but one of the things that Scott has brought to our staff is we often start our staff meetings with a little quiet time where we get into a passage, and he leads us through a little kind of you know we do the study and we share kind of what we found from the text in just a little process. So I'll, I've printed it all out for you. All right, so I'm not I'm just gonna hit the li- highlights, but um, I started this idea of having a personal time myself. And I don't want to discourage you, but I didn't learn this from my parents. I didn't learn any of this from my parents. I wish my parents would have pulled me aside and said, John, this is how you open God's Word and getting something meaningful out of it. And I think if you've been in sermons i preached in the past, or maybe I did it in the seminar last fall, I learned how to have a quiet time on a family vacation with another family in Newport Beach when I was 13. I was shipped off to the other family. I don't know why. I come back, I just was thinking about the other day. Why was I with that other family? And where were my parents? I think they were recovering from me, I'm pretty sure. So I was with this other family for two weeks. And it kind of went like this. I woke up that first morning, and we're on the Balboa Island at this beach house. And I couldn't sleep. And what 13-year-old wakes up at 6 in the morning? Like, you're supposed to sleep in, you know, unless you're going surfing. And then, you know have some cereal, about 10, and I'm like wide awake. I get up, I'm going to look for food, and there's Dave Samuelson studying his Bible, you know, at the kitchen table, on vacation, you know. And um, I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm having a quiet time. And that phrase that I shared with you the other day, I like to hear from God before I hear from anybody else, I got from him. He says, I like to get in God's word first before I do anything else. He said, would you like to join me? Now, I was like, eh, not so much. But, you know, you're, I'm not going to be rude. I knew how to say, of course I'd like to join you. That would be swell. Um, so we sat down. It's like 15 minutes. He was studying something. We shared, and that was it. He said, hey, you want to join me tomorrow? I'm thinking, not a chance. Not at 6 in the morning. I'm not going to do that, right? And um, But, of course, God woke me up at 6 in the morning. I'm like, Oh, I'm putting the pillow over my head, but I can't. So I get up, I go to the kitchen. Again, he's there. The Bible's open. He has two bags. One's from Dunkin' Donuts. The other one's a gift bag. So now this is getting better. There's donuts attached to quiet time. He said, "I got you some donuts just in case you came, and I got you something." I go, "I'm like, are you serious?" Like, so I was like interested. In what was in bag number two? I open the bag, and there's a little New Testament living Bible by Ken Taylor. It was the first, one of the very first paraphrases that ever came out. You know? I was used to the King James Version. And all of a sudden, I'm reading that, and I go, oh, I get that. That makes sense. So, by the way, I know our standard Bible is the ESV. Get the children's living Bible. Do whatever it takes so your kids can understand it. You know? And you know, King James probably save that for another day, or NIV, or even New American Standard. And that's how it happened. And day two went great. And all of a sudden, I was waking up day three, day four, day five, 14 days. And I think I made 13 out of 14 days I was up. And that's how he taught me how to have a quiet time. I learned from that guy and from that day forward. Can I say that every day I've had a quiet time, 440, no, I'm not that good. I'm not that disciplined. But I have told, but that has been the predominant discipline of my life is to be in God's Word. And I was telling Scott the other day that one of the things that changed when I became a senior pastor six years ago is I realized how my devotional life turned into sermon prep. And I lost a little something for a few years where, like, all my studying was about prepping for a sermon. And some of that, you just got to bring it. You got to study. You got to study hard. But now, I realized and I thought back how hard it is for the average businessman in this church. They're putting 50 hours a week in and maybe they're teaching a Sunday school class or whatnot. But that chance to sit in an unhurried few moments with God every day, that's a game changer, man. I got to tell you, it's a game changer. And you got to do it. And whatever it takes to get you to slow down long enough, whether that's on your iPhone. For my son, he hates to read. After he rededicated his life to Christ five years ago, back then, I got him the entire Bible on CD. And that kid just pops the CDs, and while he's driving, he's listening to God's Word. And I knew it had stuck one time when we were driving back together. He had gone with me to Mexico on one of my many, many trips. Instead of just idle talking he had his seat. I was in his car, risking my life as he drove back. And uh, he said, Dad, I want you to listen to this. And I remember from, like, San Diego all the way back to your Linda, getting through First and Second Thessalonians and just listening to the Scriptures. And every once in a while, we'd just pause it. Dad, what do you think that means? And there was no greater joy in my life than having my 20, at that time, it was two years after. I mean, he was about 24 at the time, just peppering me with questions about First and Second Thessalonians. And I realized those years of hadn't been lost where he sat at that table and rolled his eyes and like, are we done with this? Because it all came back. And you may have one of those kids someday, just FYI. And remember tonight, I'm going to tell you, don't make the score too soon, friends. Give it time. Because I do believe this. God's word never comes back void. It never does. You invest now. Make huge investments now. And when they make their choices and they may go off this way, I believe that God will honor you for that. And so this is how, this is a real simple, this is what I do when I'm studying God's word, you know, whether I'm preaching or not. And some of my best sermons over the years, came while I was on vacation having a quiet time where I wasn't prepping for a message. I was just alone, sitting on a lake, taking it in, some great Chris Tomlin blaring in my head, stopped, wrote, listened to God. So, preparation and prayer. And I just take you through it. See the ax thing? This was already in here, and then Scott gave me this illustration. I was like, whoa, There it is, ax right there. So you prep, prepare, you can read all that. Um, Then there's an overview and context. Um, I gave you some interesting facts. By the way, you can read the Bible in 71 hours. Just a little tidbit there. The reason we know this is that my former church, we built a building and we wanted it to honor God's Word. It was our new worship center. And we had a Bible reading deal where you could sign up and read a portion of the Bible and we read it from Genesis to Revelation. It took us 71 hours. Actually, it was a little less than that because... Some people read, like, really fast. They should be on, like, a FedEx commercial. Um, and we actually did it. People were reading it at 3 in the morning and 4 in the morning. It was awesome. And, by the way, having asked Pastor Scott if we can do this, I don't know if that fits for that. But when we tear that up and there's nothing on the floor in there and then we're going to put new carpeting down, one of the things I really wanted to do is a family exercise where we write, we all get to write on the floor our favorite verses as families, and we pray as a family in that and it's all be carpeted over but the coolest thing is like 80 years from now when they're tearing that building down and rebuilding again they rip the carpet there's like me all these verses and your names are going to be on that floor with the date you wrote it's the coolest thing but it takes a while for someone to really get jazzed about that and people have to (laughs) die for that to happen but anyway um that's really a tangent i realize uh but over i don't know what has that do with overview and context um but kind of get, you know, read the chapter, read the text. And I'm, I'm not talking about commentaries right now. You can take, you know, your, your psalms. By the way, you want to read psalms, you can get through psalms, you know, five psalms a day. Or one psalm a day, however you want. You can get through that one proverb a day. Um, then the next thing observe, what's the passage, read it through, what's the passage saying to me? What, you know, I use a quiet here. what are the facts, what are some things? And when I'm observing, I ask questions. Well, what is it? Well, I wonder what that means, you know? Then interpretation, that means maybe you call Scott to ask the answer to that question. Number four, <laughs> I'm just kidding. you know you get a commentary or you have a, a study Bible, maybe you try to see what that helps, and um, then you apply it. What's it saying to me? You know? Was it say? Was it mean? Was it mean to me? And just kind of pray through that. And then um, I just thought I would give you something kind of fun in application. I call it space pets. And it's a way to read Scripture, and it's memorable, and you can teach. This is a fun one to do with your kids, all right? Space Pets, all right? So, real quick, I'm going to let you fill in what Space Pets is in terms of how you read the Bible and just look for things, all right? S stands for what? Let's see if you can guess. Sin to confess. Maybe there's something, oh, this is like, i got to deal with this. I'm judgmental or I'm an angry person. All right? P, A promise to claim. Now, I just realized if you're in precepts, you got like 27 different underlining doodle things that you do and color coded things. And anybody of you in precepts? If you want to know like the ultimate underlining, you know, so you, like, you have all kinds of different things you're underlining and circling and diagramming. And so I'm a more simple person, all right? Black syndicates underline in black. Promise to claim. I do highlight that in yellow because that's like usually hopeful, all right? A, attitude to change, all right? An attitude to change. I got to deal with this, all right? C, a command to obey. Those are biggies. E, an example to follow. You can do that when you're doing character studies. What are those examples to follow? And then now pets. P, a prayer to pray. Any prayer section in the Bible, man, that's a great time for you to be able to um, say, hey, that's a model prayer. We know the Lord's Prayer. Paul has one of the longest-running sentences in the Greek New Testament. It's a prayer. That's a fun one to analyze. Uh, e, an error to avoid. Whew, don't do what that guy did, right? T, a truth to believe. And S, something to thank God for. Space pets. And that's a little fun one, so if you're taking your kids through a little passage of scripture hey let's and you know you know it's filled with promises just say hey let's look for all the promises on your mark get set go you can like divide up into teams in mom and dad and you take a kid and you take a kid and if you only have one kid then it's like the mom and the kid versus dad okay um, so and then tell and teach I think one of the most important things about having a quiet time is tell someone, this is what you're studying God's Word. Um, the other thing that um, we try to do is if we're hearing something in the Word from somebody else, so our primary you know, teacher is Pastor Scott, uh, and my wife is like much better at this. When she gets something that she's learned from somebody else's teaching of God's Word, and then she goes back and reviews it, she oftentimes will email him and say, hey, Pastor Scott, this really taught me. And she's done that, right? I, I, I don't know how often, but she tells me while walking, oh, I emailed Pastor Scott to that thing he said. And then she like, so we're walking. It's like she thinks I wasn't in the sermon, you know. And he said this, and he said this, and I'm going to work on this. How about you? Yeah, I got to work on that too, right? But it was pretty cool because I think when you talk about it with somebody else, it reinforces and that's also good with your kids. When you've had a great family devotional time, the next week, hey, last week, what did we talk about? And for our kids, they were always in the game. And maybe we're just a super competitive family, but our kids were super competitive. They wanted, like, answer first, guess first, pick first, pray first, you know, sit in front seat with Dad first, uh, that kind of thing. So, so tell someone. And then... Um, the, the last thing I just said is just realize that discouragement, the lack of discipline, and the deception like this doesn't matter are kind of three things why we quit doing this, and you don't want to quit doing this. So that's how we, I do a quiet time. And then um, just a little thing for you read on kind of slowing down. And then lastly, this is an article I wrote a few years back, and it's called Make It a Mark That's Hard to Race. And... Um, you might just enjoy it, and it's based, it's a little application to what I preached on on Sunday. What are you laughing about? No, I, with my tie and coat on, yes, that will tell you how long ago that was. Um, but this is something to maybe encourage you as you read it um, in terms of kind of some stuff we've worked on as a family, all right? One of the things that, as you do this, I would love to hear of any success stories that you have or a cool, hey, this really worked. And I think that's part of the thing that if if you want to email me those, I'd be glad to then kind of put a little group list together and then, hey, this is a really good one. But I'm telling you, if you go to Family Time Training, there are so many downloadable ideas or Tim's book that you can pick up on Sunday or next Tuesday. You'll have more than enough ideas to get you started. So, all right. It's rare that you're going to have like 17 minutes without having to do anything. So I'm going to let you enjoy these next 17 minutes. Grab a cup of coffee, chat with one another, and I'll, um, I'll close this in a word of prayer. Thank you, Ron, for filming this, and I realize your answers won't be on the tape, but at least somebody will hear a little bit of something. And um, really, really, next week, I would love for you to invite your friends. I'm telling you, Tim's... We're going to talk about next week the danger of raising nice kids. It, it's a game changer. I think it's something every parent needs to hear. I wish we could get all of our wanna workers in here on that as well. So he'll be here on Sunday and then speaking on Tuesday as well. I don't know if you know this, about a year ago, Oaks gave him an office. Oaks Christian gave him an office just because there was so much counseling going on that their, their teachers couldn't handle. And so um, they have this partnership with parents program they're developing, and he's doing that and um, if you know of any parents that are struggling especially with uh, maybe out of the ordinary issues with kids he's unbelievably good and um, so he's my friend too so it just looks a little better if there's a few more people next week no, I'm just kidding but um, we would like to see anybody that you would invite as our guest although only you got the books tonight Now I'll try to get some giveaways from him though next week let's pray Lord, thanks for this time and thanks for these parents. In many ways, these are, I'm preaching the choir. That's These are the parents who are trying to do it. They want to do it. They're making a difference. And I pray that every parent would slow down in our church long enough to realize how important it is to create a spiritual climate in their home. Lord, again, let no one leave today feeling guilty about what they haven't done but inspired and hopeful about what they could do. And uh, let this be the week that they... They they venture out, put their toe in the water spiritually, so to speak, and begin to 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 venture out in doing this with their kids in Jesus' name, Amen. By the way, for those without kids, the same thing applies in terms of how you build into your marriage. If you you know, like just the idea of even praying with your spouse, you know. So, uh, and that being said. If you want to have a spouse-centered marriage instead of a child-centered marriage, one of the best ways to do that is to go to our couples retreat. (laughs) Shameless plug. (laughs) And so if you would like to go, we have a few spots left and we've had someone step up with a generous scholarship. So there is nobody that could not go because of funds. So if funding is the only reason you can't go, I am pretty sure we can work that out. Secondly... We are working out, for those of you who are trying to figure out the child care thing, I understand the Kegels will take all kids for those three days. Send them over. It will be perfect. All right? God bless. See you later.